And so today we are, as I've mentioned, beginning a brand new series, and we're going to be talking the next five or the next four Sundays about miracles, signs, wonders, and the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And today, the title of my sermon, the title of my message today is Miracles from Motherhood. Miracles from Motherhood. I'm amazed at the ingenuity of ladies how that sometimes us men, we just kind of blunder through life and we don't see details. But, but a mother, she has a keen instinct that, and especially when it comes to taking care of her young lions, she's going to do what it takes to make sure that they're well taken care of. That's the miracle of motherhood. That is something inside of them. Us men, we're just kind of like, okay, I've got, I've got some, some socks and we may have worn three or four days and it's okay they're still flexible enough to put them on and and, and we'll, we'll, we'll do what we got to do but but a mother the, there's just something about a mother and and when when you start messing with her kids if, if you really want to incite something inside of a woman start messing with her children I mean I myself have experienced her wrath at times when I was messing with the kids Because there's an instinct inside of them that they are going to take care of their young. They're going to take care of their life. Uh, they're going to take care of their surrounding. It's the miracle of motherhood. I have to confess today as a man, I don't really understand it, but I'm amazed by it. I mean, I'm amazed at, at the tenacity and, 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 and what is inside of a lady through thick and thin to, to just remain calm and, and even in the face of crises sometimes uh, to remain uh, with, their, with their thoughts and, and work through things. I mean, I'd be losing my mind. I'd be just like, my God in heaven, what's going on? But they just, I mean, they can kiss a boo-boo and make it better. I mean, they know the right words to say. It's the miracle of a mother. So we're going to talk for a few moments about this from the word of the Lord. And I want to call your attention, first of all, to a very familiar story that is found in the book of Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, this is a story where Eve was seduced by the serpent in the garden and there was one commandment that was given them. They could eat of all the fruit of the trees uh, except the tree that was in the midst of the garden. The tree that was in the center of the garden, it belonged to God. And God said to the people, Adam and Eve, don't eat of it because in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so we know how the events unfold, how that the serpent beguiled Eve and she took of the fruit, she ate of it. She gave also to Adam and he ate of it. And immediately their spiritual eyes were open. And they immediately seen that they were naked. They immediately seen and, and understood good and evil. They understood that, that something magnanimous had happened. And so... 
Where we begin here is a conversation now that God is having with Eve. And he is talking to her from, uh, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. I will put a division there. I am going to put an obstruction there. Something is going to happen. There, there is going to be a battle that is going to be fought. I will put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. But notice the next verse, what he says. He said, and unto the woman, or excuse me, let's go back to verse 15. And I will put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Notice he says seed. That's very important. He shall bruise thy head or her seed shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In thy sorrow shall bring forth children, and thy desire shall be unto thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Notice what he says. He said, something is going to happen to you. There, there is already a transformation that has happened. You have not known sin, but now you are awakened to sin. You are awakened to an understanding, and you will forever seek your life to cover your mistakes with fig leaves. But we understand at the end of the chapter that God slew animals and clothed them with the skins of animals. But there is a propensity in humanity that when we make a mistake, when we, when we fall, when we sin, we're always trying to cover it up. You understand when Adam was talking to God, he said to God, the woman that you gave me. And there is a nature inside of humanity that we're always willing to blame somebody else for our mistakes. Come on, somebody. We're always willing to pass. It's their fault. It's, it's not my fault. I'm not responsible. And when we don't have to take accountability, then we can cast off the responsibility of it. But ladies and gentlemen, we are responsible for our actions. And Adam and Eve at that moment are called into accountability about their actions. And so God said to Eve, there's something going to happen inside of you. Something that has never transpired before. There is, there is going to be a metamorphosis inside. You are going to release seed from your body. You will receive the seed of the man. And you will be saved in childbirth. But I've got to tell you, it's not an exercise in futility because the seed that will come from your body will someday conquer the serpent. That which is going to come out, oh Jesus help me, Holy Ghost. That which is going to come out of your womb and be birthed into the earth will conquer the serpent, will conquer sin, will bring an end to the transgression. See, and for 4,000 years, if you study the Bible, you will understand that, that man and woman come together. In the very next chapter, the fourth chapter, the Bible said that Adam slept with his wife.
Now that means more. We're intelligent. We're adults here today. She, they did more than just sleep together. Adam knew his wife. It means he was intimate with her. They had a sexual relationship. And because of the sexual relationship, there was a conception. It's a male and a female. When they come together, there is a conception that takes place. So Adam knew his wife and she conceived and then brought forth a child. Now consider this. Cain is the first child that has ever been born. Adam was formed from the earth of the from the dust of the earth. Eve came out of his side. And so Cain is the first child born through the birth canal and brought into the earth. But it started a precedent. When you get over just a few chapters later in Genesis, you will begin to read where, where the, the Adam, he, he conceived and, and begot a son like unto himself. And from Adam it was Seth. And from Seth it goes down to Enoch and to Noah and to Abraham and all the way through David. And 42 generations from Adam to Christ, there is a conception that is happening when a man and a woman come together. That's a fact of life. But 40 and two generations has failed to produce a savior. 40 and two generations produce Abraham, who is a man of faith, but he still has flaws. He produces Isaac, who goes to Mount Moriah, and Abraham is going to offer him in a Christophany, in an appearance of Christ. But when he goes to slay him, the angel said, no, no, he's still a man. He's still a sinner. He is still in sin. If you kill him, it will not redeem mankind from sin. It produces a Samson, it produces a Jephthah, it produces a David who is a man after God's own heart. It produces Solomon who is, is a very wise man and gives us some very good life illustration, uh, illustrations, but he fails to produce a Savior. And so one day there is a little lady by the name of Mary. And Mary is, is just a child. She is engaged to be married to Joseph. And, and they're getting the wedding all together. But she has a visitation. And an angel comes and says to her, Mary, you are highly favored above other women. In other words, God has his eye upon you. Now, I will say today that it was not an immaculate conception because the immaculate conception says that Mary was born without sin just as Christ was born without sin. I beg to differ with you, ladies and gentlemen. Mary was born to a mother and a father. She was a sinner just like you and I are sinners. But the angel said to her, something's going to happen inside your womb. You're highly favored of God. Now you're pregnant. We look at favor and think of favor in so many different ways. But what would you do today if the angel said, you're favored of God, but you're pregnant? And she says... 
How can this be? I've never known a man. Now remember back in Genesis 4, Adam knew his wife and there was a conception. But Mary says, I've never had a sexual relationship with a man. And here's the miracle from motherhood. The angel said, the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And when that egg is released into your female tubes, there is going to be a connection not from a natural man, but from the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost touches the seed, oh my God, that seed is all of a sudden going to conceive just as if a man's seed has touched the egg of a woman. Woo. And that which is conceived in your womb is of the Holy Ghost. Now there are so many metaphors today that I cannot cover them all, but I want to cover a few as we go through this. And so go with me very quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I, I want to take a look at this as we hasten towards a conclusion. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is saying in verse number 8, he said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Now this is vitally important that we read this verse before we go any further. Because modern theology and modern Christendom has brought us to a place where we want grace but we don't want any truth. We want a sensation, but we don't want an experience. We want the shimmering of the goosebumps, but we don't want a lifestyle change. See, too many of us are wanting to live our lives through God when God is saying, I want to live my life through you. And there's a big, big difference, ladies and gentlemen, because when I live through him, then I dictate what he does in my life. But when he lives through me, I'm not in control any longer. When, when he lives, oh, can I preach a little bit this morning? When, see, Paul would say in the book of Galatians, he said, I live, but nevertheless, not I, but Christ is living inside of me. See, Christianity has embraced a Jesus that likes what I like and wants to do what I want to do. But, but real Christ-likeness is he lives and I obey that's why it's not my will but thy will be done oh God that's why I bring my body under submission that's why I bring my body under subjection it's not me that's in control see too many of us ladies and gentlemen have left Christ on the cross and we're on the throne of our lives but that will never work you got to get on the cross and put Christ on the throne of your life and until Christ Christ is on the throne of your life. You will dictate the actions and then you will be disappointed with the results. You cry for miracles. 
but you want to dictate how they happen. Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And Matthew tells us what Emmanuel means. He said, it means God with us. How is God going to be with us? He's going to come through motherhood. Mary will birth the container that houses the spirit of the eternal God. And so Paul says here, I would that all men would pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, meaning that I am able to embrace this concept. See, ladies and gentlemen, I confess to you today there are some things I don't understand about God, but my faith embraces them. I don't understand how he would take a man and tell him to build an ark when there was no rain together animals together and put in that ark because there's a flood coming but I believe it happened my faith receives that my faith embraces that I don't know how he's able to part with his breath two bodies of water and separate them to allow four million Israelites to walk through on dry ground to walk through an aquarium on dry ground I don't know how he did it but something inside of me says it happened I don't understand how that a woman has never known a man and yet she becomes pregnant I don't understand it but my faith embraces that my faith says it's a truism my faith said it really happens and so he said you got to worship him without doubting and without wrath there's some things about God you just have to embrace there's some why are you taking me this way God I don't know but I trust you why are you walking me this direction God why is this happening why is all hell broke loose in my life I don't understand it but I know God is faithful I know God will never leave me Come on, somebody. That doubt without wrath. And he said, in like manner also, that the woman adorned themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with the broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. He didn't say not to do it. He just said, don't let that be the reason you do it. In other words, see, I think one of the perils of this society and one of the reasons women often dress the way they dress is because they're still trying to attract the attention of their husband. See, we're, we're men. Can I, can I help you ladies just for a second? We're men. And when we catch the girl, we just kind of think like, Give me my lazy boy. Hey, lady, bring me another hot dog. And lady like, ain't you a slave? Get up and get your own hot dog. Because we think we done got you. But let me help the men now. What it took to get the girl 
is what it takes to keep. And sometimes the reason she's dressing the way she's dressing is not because she's looking for somebody else. She's trying to get your attention. Oh, sorry, guys. I still love you. But he said, modest apparel, shamefaceless. In other words, not calling attention to herself. See, too many women are having to call attention to themselves because the men folk ain't paying no attention. Mm -hmm. So we've made our folk, we made our women folk have to dress up sometimes like harlots to try to get our attention. And it's not who they are, but they're sending us a wake-up call. Let the woman learn in silence and all submission. I'm not against women speaking. I'm not against women preachers. I'm not against any of that. Sometimes we force our women to have to speak. But the biggest problem in the garden was that Adam was silent. But what he was saying is, if the men would do their job, the women wouldn't have to speak up. But women are having to speak up because men are silent. It said well, Adam was formed first and then Eve. God, I know it's not man month, but I feel like, man, I feel something here. That we should speak. We should speak for our families. You don't send your wife to school to deal with your kids' problems. Man up. But it said, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived in the transgression. In other words, she didn't understand what was going to happen when she ate of that tree. When she ate of it, something happened to her. I don't know what, the Bible doesn't tell, but something happened to her. And Adam is standing there watching what happens to her. And he makes a decision. I would rather go with the woman then I would stay with God. I would rather go with her and eat of the fruit. So it says, Adam wasn't deceived. He watched what happened to Eve. Too many men are following their women folk. When men need to buck up and bow up and be the man that God called you to be, lead your home, lead your family. Your wife is looking for you to lead them in the spiritual things. We've made mothers do that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm off that, I'm off that, I'm off that. Okay, so because of sin, both the woman and the ground and everything they touched was cursed. And God said to Adam, Adam, it's going to be very painful for you to eat. In other words, you're going to have to till the ground. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat bread. She is going to save herself through childbearing. Very painful. Medical says that when a woman gives birth to a child, it is the closest thing to dying that they can get to. When she releases that child from her womb through travail and struggle. 
And God said, but Adam, you're not out of it either. You're going to experience pain by the tilling of the ground. For 4,000 years, the law of procreation existed. Mary brings forth a son, and the Bible said they call his name Jesus. God with us. Mary released from her womb the container that held the Spirit of God. She watched him for 30, 30 years as he grew in wisdom and his stature. At the age of 30, he steps in from obscurity into the spotlight. And on one particular day, John the Baptist looks up and sees Jesus. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Notice, he didn't call him a man. He called him a lamb. It was a serpent that beguiled Eve in the garden. We live in the country of rattlesnakes and venomous snakes. And if you get bit by a rattlesnake and you make it to the hospital, they're going to give you a serum, an antidote to counteract the venom that's been placed into your body. There is only one known blood that they can mix the serum with to produce an antidote, and it's lamb's blood. And God said the seed of the woman is going to be an antidote for the bite of the serpent. The venom can only be mixed with lamb's blood to stop the effects of the venomous bite of the serpent. And so I want to tell you about the miracle of motherhood is when Mary delivered that child. The Bible said he knew no sin, but he became sin, that we might be called the righteousness of God in him. There's a reason why John said, look, it's a lamb. Because Mary, bore the curse of sin. She had been bitten by the serpent way back in the Garden of Eden. And that venom flowed through the human race for 4,000 years. But all of a sudden, she gave birth to what most would just say was a baby. But it's more than a baby, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God. And the venom 
was mixed with lamb's blood. And so when he goes to a cross and they hung him high and they stretched him wide and he looked out across the sea of humanity from Adam to the last baby that will be born, he shouted out into eternity and he said, it is finished. What are you saying? I'm saying the bite of the serpent has been neutralized in the human race. 